Funky Brewster won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about loose cannons. Wow, just as embarrassingly bad as it was in the movie. Yes, we need to talk about mental illness. I I gotta admit, I when we when we decided to do loose cannons, I remember really not liking this movie and it being really bad. And it wasn't. No. I was surprised. No. I was surprised. It just has one very large glaring error in it. It does. It does. Bad bad choice. Um Yeah, no, I remember seeing it. I believe I saw it in a theater. Oh yeah. So it's a huge makes I'm sense. a huge yeah. acroid flan. Flan. And, uh, I eat flan and you eat flan while eating, watching the flan. Yeah, I eat flan while eating Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yes, it's my dessert. No, uh, I love Dan Aykroyd. I love Gene Hackman. Uh, I love Dom DeLuise. Um, oh, so Dom DeLuise is so good. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater, and I, it was fine. I mean, look, it's it's like ninety percent a good movie. <laughs> it is. And it's that ten percent. It's that one that is just missing the mark. So so much awful choice. Awful choice. Just uh, insulting. <laughs> I mean, especially now in hindsight, yes. Although then they knew they knew that. Well, well, you know, yes, but it was still made fun of back then. And and what the only thing that people really knew of DID, which was then known as multiple personality disorder, was mostly Sally Field as Sybil. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, was found to be a fraud. Uh, right. The actual case wasn't true. Um, yeah. You know, uh, eventually. But, uh, you know, so most people were fascinated with it. And it was used right. in TV sparingly. There was always, like, yeah. the twin that wasn't really a twin. I think they did that <laughs> with uh, on Magnum P.I. with uh, Sharon Stone, I believe, played twins. But I think one of, one of the twins was dead, and it was a multiple personality thing. Oh, Yeah. One of the best examples in modern pop culture, I, I believe, is the Doom Patrol. Sure. And, and uh, the, the lady, the woman that has the multiple personalities, that different powers and all that stuff. Sure. But it's handled very well. The underground stuff is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual, like, nitty. I mean, look, as somebody who's dealt with it, and, yeah. in, and not to go into it, but I dated somebody with DID. And uh, it's horrifying. It's well, yeah. horrifying. Yeah. And uh, it's... In the history of DID, I don't think anybody became the Roadrunner <laughs> or Popeye. No, 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 no. Or no. Captain Kirk. That kind of flies in the face of dissociative identity and disorder. And there was no, like, you know, if I was waiting for them to be like, yes, he was abused as a child and left in front of the TV. And then right. somehow that, no, but there was no. no. The problem is where they really missed the mark is when they explained his, and we'll get into all this, but I just yeah, want to get this out yeah. really quickly. When they explained his whole deal, it was that he was uh, undercover narcotics cop. Right. Got captured, tortured for a couple of days. Yeah. And the police chief, who's also his uncle, uh, said that, well, that's a personality that comes out. Well, we never saw that personality, the torturer. No. And I no. would think that the torturer coming out and being the guy. Being the, the, a, a mean the, guy. The, yes, the masculine. The, yes, yeah. The, the, yeah. the man who comes out in danger. That makes sense because – these personalities are created out of extreme trauma. Yeah. Whether it's physical, sexual, usually both, mental, yeah. just 
horrendous abuse. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Not being this. able to have the ability to deal with it, so you have other. No, and and quite yeah. frankly, two days of torture is not going to do it unless you have no some sort of proclivity for it. But even then, what they're talking about is PTSD. They're not talking yes. about DID. So it is just a mess <laughs> of. <laughs> it's a it's a very large glaring uh, hole in this movie that otherwise is a pretty entertaining yes. like like yes. kind of action adventure or you know political thriller kind of thing with great chemistry between the two leads and Dom DeLuise. It's got a very like Lethal Weapon two vibe to it. Yeah, the Hackman um, and Aykroyd are great together, especially Hackman. I mean, his oh, God, he's so good because he could have just been the jerk throughout. Like at the beginning, right. he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, but yeah. he comes around in a really organic way that. That is that gives credence to this film. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but it's just, you know, things. You got to make fun of a lot more stuff back then. <laughs> and well, you know, there was a, yeah, nothing yeah. was really sacrosanct. Nothing was really precious. And I'm not saying that it's it's good to make fundamental in us. I just think that we didn't have a very compassionate understanding of what mental illness does. Well, I think a lot of people just didn't understand it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we're in a we, look. We're not that far from when Reagan. Uh, you know, emptied out all the mental hospitals right, and threw right. everybody out on the streets, you right. know, and started the whole homeless problem. Yeah. We're not that far from that. And, you know, so a lot of people are like, oh, the crazies running around talking to themselves. And, you yeah. know, yeah. it was a, it was a stereotype. It was, a, yeah. you know, it was, it was BS. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't treat – there were a few films that were treating mental illness with, with respect, I guess. Right. And, and, you know, that it deserves. But it was, you know, everybody made fun of everything back then. And yeah, everybody just kind of dealt with it. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I mean, we've grown and we've we've we know better now. You know, I mean that it's, which is good. It's, it's not good something thing. that you yeah. that you should be making fun of. Or if you do want to make fun of it, it has to be in a much more clever way sure. than <laughs> than this. As you know. somebody who's a jokey jokes, yeah, I I feel that there is nothing that is that is out of bounds to be made fun of. Right. As long as you're not demeaning people. Sure. You know, you can make fun of cancer. You can make fun of sure. abortion. You can make, if you could do it a clever way. David Cross is one of the greatest comedians to, like, deal with that stuff. Right. He, right. Can, ta- he can do bits about abortion and cancer and make you horrified and laugh at the same time, <laughs> which is great because that takes the power away. Right, right. You know? Right. And it's not making fun of people with cancer or, yeah. you know, it's, it's a fine line. But it's also something that I do not believe that there is anything that is off limits. Okay. It's just my opinion. Okay. As long as you can make it funny and you're not being, a, you know. That's fine. And that's good for you. I mean, I don't, I, I have, for me personally, I have some limits that I don't go past, but, uh, but I understand. Yeah. That's fine. I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I wish you did too, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, take yourself back to 1990. Oh, yeah. January 1st, television debut of Rowan Atkinson's Mr. Bean in a Tames, Tames. Thames? And a Thames television special on ITV in the United Kingdom. Thames is one of those words that every time I see it written down, yeah. <laughs> I immediately say it wrong. Yeah, okay. well, it's a, it's a river. It's Mr. Bean. Yeah, I know what it is, Jim. <laughs> uh, January 13th, Douglas Wilder becomes the first elected African-American governor as he takes office in Richmond, Virginia. I, I can't believe that it took until 1990. 1990. It's insanity. That and was three decades ago. That's crazy. And, uh, man... Yeah. Mr. Bean, that was a dark day. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like Mr. Bean. He's fine. I just, he's crazy. 
but funny. He's very funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. February 1st, smoking is banned on all cross-country flights in the United States. I smoked on planes yeah. back in the day, man. And I remember when this happened, I was so bummed. But luckily, when I flew to Russia, it was banned on international uh, flights. So that 13-hour flight, I great smoke. Man, smoking was great on planes. Smoking, drinking. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. still drink on planes. That's... Yeah, not like you used to. Oh, no, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be kind of free or cheap. It is. International, it's still complimentary. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, when I flew to Scotland, it was, uh, they just kept, kept bra- and in funny, the funny pro tip, take a bag of candy for the, the flight attendants because they will give you the good stuff. Nice. Just bottles and bottles of the good stuff. It's right. great. February 9th, Loose Cannons premieres. Right on. Yeah. So the movie's working title was The Von Metz Incident. Yeah. Um, Glad they changed that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it makes it sound like a 70s political thriller. It's, yeah. Which it's not. The <laughs> Von all. Metz Incident. It sounds like some sort of, like, campus, uh, like some sort of campus movie. Like you a know? college movie. Yeah, yeah. Like there was an inc- like some sort of, like, sexual. Oh, there goes Von Metz again doing that thing. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Pr- the, the, the tenured professor von metz <laughs> did something to an undergrad uh so spoilers i'm just gonna do a quick overview of the plot because i have a feeling that a lot of people have not seen this movie what uh i know shocking uh the movie is about a sordid sex tape of the incoming west german chancellor having sex with adolf hitler kirk von metz the chancellor in question hires anyone who has seen the film to be murdered okay i have to ask you because this is what confused me yeah they kept saying it was a sex tape yeah but when they showed the tape it was. It, it was, was him, him assisting in a suicide, killing essentially. Yeah. Hitler. So uh, was it a sex tape, or was it him being a Nazi that helping him? Was not made entirely clear. Exactly. I mean, the idea for von Metz was that he was a Nazi. I mean, that's really at the end of the sure. day. Sure. But I think the way that um, I, d- I don't think it was an actual sex tape. I think that's just was the lip service of it, because at the end of the day, but it doesn't make sense. Okay, I, I just want to get this out of the way. Sure. We'll totally get through it because this is what really confused me about the movie. So, Dom DeLuise's character is a pornographer. Yeah. A pornographer. Yeah. Um, and he saw the tape, or the film. It was a yes. film. Yes, in a, and in he a party. Said, there was yeah. a party, and he saw it there. And, and he said those it was were all a the sex people tape. that he was going to have murdered. Right. Yeah. And then, sex tape, sex tape, sex tape. But then, when we get to the end, it's him assisting in the suicide. There's no sex. Right. And they never even talk about the suicide thing, so it's like a switcheroo. Well, there was, I mean, kind of. When they talked about Strickler or whatever, and uh, um, the guy Paul Coslow plays, whatever his name is, uh, he talked Grimmer. about but him being Grimmer, yeah, talking about him being a, a ardent like neo-Nazi, sure. And so I, I, I think the implication was that if if it were to be revealed that Hitler was actually dead, uh, not beyond von Metz being a a, a Nazi. Nazi. Him being dead kind of, I guess, ruins their neo-Nazi stuff. No, like, it was. I think the whole thing was about about the Nazi, about the guy who was going to be sure with the yeah with the with the scar, the Gorbachev birthmark, the Gorbachev yeah. birthmark. Um, he he was going to be the new chancellor of East Eastern, it, Germany? and it wasn't. I think it wasn't just the fact that he was a. That he, that he was a Nazi itself, but that he was in, in the inner circle right, so right. much that yeah. he was able to help Hitler kill himself. So was the whole porn tape a MacGuffin? I think so. God. 
Look, man, Although same... it was a really big reel, so maybe they had sex before that, and then he killed him. Well, they should have talked about it, because they really did I know. the service it was, to the ending. It was, it was, just a... it was, it was weird. Because it wasn't because... a bad movie, but they made these mistakes that, <laughs> right. that, that take it out of the realm of yeah. uh, uh, so lazy. For... For whatever reason, everyone who has seen the sex, the sex movie, unquote, quote unquote, is in the Washington, D.C. area. Enter two hard-nosed detectives, one of whom has disassociative identity order, then called MPD. Multiple uh, personality disorder. From a failed undercover drug sting. When he's under stress, he blacks out and reverts to cartoon characters like Popeye or the Roadrunner. Or famous fictional people like Captain Kirk. Yes. Pretty much anything he's seen on TV. Well, any impersonation which he could do, he did. At the end of the day, deserved more of an explanation than than what it was. Yeah, I mean, was the TV on while he was being tortured? You know, I, it's I, like, I thought they were going to say that and be like, they forced him to watch all this stuff for two days because it's just. But he, it's obvious that he was on the spectrum. Like even yeah. even without the, yes, the, the and it was a, stuff. That's what drives me nuts. Yeah, is Dan Aykroyd is on the spectrum. Dan Aykroyd yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, he's. Got Asperger's syndrome, which is not referred to as Asperger's syndrome anymore. It's oh, isn't it? No. Oh, it's something. I else. think yeah, because the doctor, I think, had Nazi ties or something. I mean, there was oh some, wow, yeah, wow. it wasn't about like it sounds like Asperger's. It was right. Asperger's. By right. the way, it's a P. Sure, but uh, I think his he had some weird ties, so they changed it to another thing, which I'm not oh. sure what it is. I, d- I didn't know that. But he does such a good job. Like if they played it real, oh yeah, this could have been a good. Buddy oh yeah, action movie. It, it, it was the beginning of something that could have been more movies. Oh my god! And like, it felt almost like it was like a, a like a, an early '80s, late '70s like TV movie that they could have just made more, like continued yeah. to make more of them. Yes, it, it was them good... two together was so good. And it yeah, and if they would have handled it, you know, like Monk. I mean, we, that's what came, yeah. kept coming up when we were watching this yeah. movie is Monk. And Monk doesn't have DID. Monk has uh, uh, OCD. OCD, yeah, and uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Disorder, yeah. Uh, I have have mumbled mouth disorder. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, the beginning of the film when when we introduced Dan Aykroyd is great, you know, because you've got right. You've got uh, Gene Hackman being all like, who's this weirdo as he's running around, you know, doing his little things. And then but even though he's being weird, he's not being a goof. No, he's he's recreating the crime scene and. Yeah. And then when he comes to deliver his report, they're all like, oh, okay. Yeah, this makes yeah. sense. You know, there's oh, that, a begrudging that, respect. That whole sequence is so fantastic. And he's like, do you want, do you, do you have questions? <laughs> yeah. You can give them to him one at a time or all at once. I and so Hagman's like, all at once. And, and he just bang, 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 bang. And it, it develops such a good relationship between the two of them because then he turns around. The whole scene, the purpose was to show how brilliant his analytical yeah. mind was. But then he turns around and says to Gene Heckman, you have good memory. Like, good questions, you, yeah. you totally had good questions. Like, so, Yeah, one of the things this movie has going for it is both of the leads are smart. Yeah, yes. And very capable yes. at what they do. Yes. You know, and they're both very dedicated to their job. Yeah, yeah. And and that would that brings uh, grudging respect from right. Hackman. And, but right. Dan Aykroyd is also very self-aware. And yeah. it, it could have yeah. been such an annoying movie if, like, he didn't know that he was changing. Yeah. Uh, so, ironically, this movie was made between July and October of 1988 before it was announced in May of 1989 that East, West and East Germany would be reunified. Oh, man. <laughs> you know that they, the producers were like, 
damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it kind of makes the plot of the film completely pointless, as it was released in February of 1990, although technically the reunification wasn't ended until 1991. It took a really long time. But, right. But they were doing it. <laughs> and, sure. And East and West German, German chancellors didn't make any sense anymore. Well, they could have changed it to just the German chancellor if they wanted to. Yeah, but that would have forced them to go back and to reshoot things. or. And it also would have probably pissed off Germany, who was reunified. Yeah, and yeah. didn't want to have a whole Nazi thing going uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're a little, they're a little uh, touchy about the whole uh, Nazi thing. Right. And, you know, it not also, as much as the uh, rest of the world is, though. <laughs> it's also not a good sign for a film to be complete and sit on a shelf for a long period, uh, although this one was about two years, I mean, year and a half. It happens. Uh, but it, it if it had been released sooner... It probably would have avoided the whole, hey, guess what? Plot doesn't mean anything anymore. It's so confusing. I watched this movie. Uh, it was about this kid watching Star Wars and yeah. wanting to be a director or something. And it just came out. Yeah. But uh, one of the guys in it is John Francis Daly okay. from Freaks and Geeks. The the lead kid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like in his 40s now, I think. Is and he? He's pretty old, but he was, you know, he's been on Bones and stuff, and he's an adult. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a man. Yeah. But in the movie, he's a boy. He's still and, a boy. And I'm like, did they de-age him? Or <laughs> Because I was so confused, and then I had to look it up, and the movie was made in like 2008 oh, or 7 wow. or 6 wow. or something. It was shelved for like 15 wow. years. Wow, that's crazy. It wasn't a horrible movie or anything. That's weird. But uh, it was just so, I was so confused. It's weird. I, distribution is a weird beast. Uh, well, plus actors, if you've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sorry, quick speed bump, but it looks like actors are de-aging now. Like, they, some actors are looking so much younger yeah. than they used to. Yeah. And I, I think it's Ozempic. That's the new thing. The, they're the, taking Ozempic? Yeah, they're, uh, they're killing a bunch of poor diabetics <laughs> so they could get the, their cheekbones. I, I have to look into Ozempic and whether or not it de-ages you. Ozempic is a it's a weight right. loss. I know thing. it helps with weight loss, yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't de-age you. Well, it's part of it. That's not how science works. I don't know. So the movie was written by Richard Matheson, Richard Christian Matheson, Richard Matheson's son, and Bob Clark, who also directed the movie. Uh, after The Night Strangler in 1973, Richard Matheson became very busy doing TV work. Some of his work includes Dying Room Only in 1973, a TV movie based on his short story from 1953 starring Cloris Leachman. Nice. Circle of Fear in 1973, original titled Ghost Story, a one-season horror anthology series. I miss Cloris Leachman. Oh, she was great. Amazing. She's from uh, where I grew up. She's from Iowa. She's a talented. She's from Des Moines. Yeah. I mean, even... She's my grandma. I wish. Yeah, I wish. I don't. My grandmas were great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trilogy of Terror in 1975, an anthology horror TV movie from his short stories, including the one with the Zuni doll. Oh, yeah. And, and Karen Black. Oh, yeah. crazy-eyed Karen Black. <laughs> The Martian Chronicle in 1979 and Martian Chronicles in 1979 and 1980, the miniseries based on the Ray Bradbury books and starring Darren McGavin. When that came out, that was so hyped, man. We oh, were yeah. all so yeah, crazy ready for that. It was good. It was yeah. You can find it on YouTube. It's great. Uh two episodes of Amazing Stories in 1986 and 1987. Uh he'd also written some feature films. The Legend of Hell House in 1973 based on his novel Hell House. Somewhere in Time in 1980, based on his novel Bid Time Returns, starring Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour, and Christopher Plummer. Oh, I changed that title for the better. Bid Time Returns. Yeah, what I know. What a horrible name for a book. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, the funny thing is that after the movie came out, the title was changed to somewhere 
whatever. Yeah. Well, it was not good. It was not a good movie either. <laughs> no. Um, it was fine. I, but anyway. That's uh, the Christopher Reeve one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, it was fine. It, that's not the one with Jack the Ripper, is it? I don't think so. That's the other time machine one. Yeah. With like Malcolm McDowell, I think. Yes, yes. It was not, that was not good. That one was good. Yeah. All of them were kind of goofy and weird. I like the Malcolm McDowell one. Yeah. Jaws 3D in 1983, co-written with Carl Gottlieb, who co-wrote The Jerk with Steve Martin, starring Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Leah Thompson, and Louis Gossett Jr. Louis Gossett Jr., baby. Oh, man. Jaws 3D. <laughs> I saw that in 3D in yeah. the theater. It was so bad. It was so bad. And not just it being bad. The 3D was so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was back when it was still red and blue. The red, yeah. Glasses. Yeah. And basically, there, I, the only two things I remember in 3D was, one, this giant shark. Because the mama shark was like a megalodon or something. Yeah. Because it, so un- it was so ridiculously huge. Because <laughs> the first great white they had was pretty big. But we just, right. oh, that's just the baby. Got to get bigger. That's just yeah. the baby. Mama's coming. And mama's <laughs> coming through the screen. But mama's coming so slow like a turtle. And it was just like a 40-minute shot. And then the other one was, uh, I, th- I think that, no, no, no. The other. It's so forgettable that the other shot I was thinking of was from uh, Friday the 13th 3D. Oh, with yeah. the uh, yeah. spear three. gun yeah, the spear coming gun. at yeah. you. Yeah, uh, Jaws 3D still wasn't as bad as Jaws 4. But uh, it's debatable. <laughs> it's debatable because at least Jaws 4 had Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so much like his father, Richard Christian Matheson is a novelist and short story writer. He's the author of over, over 100 short stories of psychological horror and magic realism, which are gathered in over 150 major anthologies. Good for him. Yeah, he's, he's a very busy man. He started writing for TV at the age of 25 in 1978, writing episodes for Three's Company and The Incredible Hulk. Come and knock on the door. We've been waiting for you. All the kisses are hers and hers. He's Three's Company, too. Uh, he also wrote for both BJ and the Bear and The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo between 1979 and 1981. BJ and the Bear, baby. Oh, oh yeah. and Sheriff Lobo. That was such a wacky, I wacky didn't show. I realize that The Misadventures of Sheriff, Sheriff Lobo literally started... The the fall after BJ and the Bear started in the spring of 1979, and literally like five months later, they just started a spinoff show with yeah. Sheriff Lobo. It was a juggernaut, man. <laughs> it was just like what we were all just pining for a show about a trucker with a monkey. Uh, yeah, yeah, who helps people. Yeah, he had that big old red orange truck. It was rad. He also wrote for Knight Rider, The A-Team, and Hardcastle and McCormick during uh, the 80s. Hardcastle and McCormick. He actually wrote, he wrote like 30 episodes of The A-Team. It was crazy. Nice. Like over three or four seasons, yeah. Well, I mean, The A-Team was pretty much just a variation on a theme. Sure. You know. He still got writing credits for this <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> I love The A-Team. The A-Team, the greatest thing about The A-Team is it was during a time in television where you couldn't kill anybody on prime time. <laughs> so there yeah. would be these spectacular... Like accidents where right. a jeep would roll like seventy five times, <laughs> you know, and, and explode into a million bits. And then two guys walk out, kind of brushing, limping, brushing dust off. They were pulling the Chucky Heston, <laughs> the Omega Man. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If my helicopter crashed. I'm just gonna crawl out. And my clothes are shredded. <laughs> In 1986, he wrote for the sitcom Stir Crazy, based on the 1980 movie starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, directed by Sidney Poitier. It ran for one month, was pulled, and then permanently canceled after airing a total of nine episodes. Yeah, let's not uh, 
uh, disparaged Sidney Poitier. He did the film, not the TV show. Yes, yes. No, the TV show uh, was starring two people that I've never heard of and I don't think have done anything since. The film's a classic. Oh, the film's great. The film is a classic. I didn't know they did a TV show. Neither... (laughs) I probably did at the time. And I, I think they probably shouldn't have because it looked really bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, you're never going to get a Gene Wilder and a Richard no, Pryor no, in a TV no. No, 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 version. No, no, no. You can't capture that magic. In 1987, Richard Christian Matheson co-wrote Three O'Clock High, the underrated high school comedy. Yeah, go check out our epi. Yeah, we did that a while ago. Uh, it's great. Great movie. Absolutely Amazing. Great. Super underrated. Yeah, and if you love the Coen brothers, you love this movie because yes. the visual style is just so unique. So good. So good. In 1988, he co-wrote It Takes Two, the Cold Feet Wedding comedy starring George Newbern, Leslie Hope, Kimberly Foster, and Barry Corbin. Okay. Do you re- I don't remember this movie at all. I don't. I, I remember. It has a very fast red Lamborghini in it. Okay. I'm, yeah. I mean, probably saw it. I'm sure you did. In 1989, one of Matheson's other kids, Chris, would have a hit movie. Uh, it was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Really? Yeah. He wrote it or directed it? All f- he wrote it. All four of his kids have had movies and various writings done. You know what's really... Yeah. You know what's really interesting? <laughs> what's that? What's really interesting is that so many writers, their kids become writers. Stephen yeah. King, all of his kids are writers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, he, and, and his, his wife, wife too, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a writer when they met. Yeah. It wasn't like he... It's just that his success allowed her to then quit her job and sure. allow her to be a full-time writer. Right, well. and his kids are great writers. It just yeah. seems like writing is definitely a business that is passed down. It's in the Shakespeare's genes. kid, Ricky Shakespeare, he Ricky, did a lot of yeah. plays. Ricky, and then his other kid, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Shakespeare. Shakespeare. They, uh, Bobby Shakes, they called him. <laughs> yeah, well, he was a basketball player, Bobby <laughs> Shakes. <laughs> uh, uh, so Loose Cannons would be the first time that Matheson and his son would write together. He said, The first was a script called Face Off, which ultimately became Loose Cannons. It was about a veteran police detective who gets partnered with this younger detective who's a brilliant criminologist with multiple personality disorder. That was the central idea of the movie. He was brilliant as a partner, but almost impossible to deal with because you never knew when he was going to splinter off into a new bizarre personality. We wrote the script, sold it, and went through a succession of creative teams ultimately ended up being made with Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd. The central idea remained, but the studio bloated it into an incomprehensible big-budget mess. They run it on television a lot, and I watch it here and there. Hackman is great. Aykroyd has moments. We kind of said, F it. Immediately wrote another spec script, sold it to Richard Donner, another to Ivan Reitman. I don't believe either of those were ever actually made. Hey, who cares? You sold them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, Matheson uh, and Matheson, uh, when they wrote the script, they— Matheson uh, and Son? Matheson and Son. <laughs> I, they obviously just sold the script, and they were kind of like, okay, whatever, do whatever yeah. you want with it. You know. I mean, that's what you got to do. You yeah. know, in Hollywood, your script is never going to be made. The script that you sell yeah, is never yeah. going to be made. Yeah. Maybe two scripts in, in two million have right. been pretty much the same as they are. Right. It's going to go through a ton of rewrites, and it's usually going to be ruined. Usually the <laughs> studio will be nothing like what you wrote. The yeah. studio buys an amazing script that's unique and has a lot of really cool <laughs> stuff in it and then just takes everything out of it that yeah. makes it unique and just tries to make it a generic a studio piece of crap. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really sad. Here goes. Uh, hey, Bob. Hey. You know, um, I did a little work on loose cannons. Oh, did you? You know, I, um, I don't really respect anything about mental illness. Um, <laughs> no, really. So I thought it would be very funny. I was, you know, watching cartoons with one of my kids, and I said that would be great. What if we 
what if we represented uh, mental illness as just cartoons? And we had a lot of properties still um, that I thought we could, you know, make some money at. You know, Warner Brothers has all the cartoons and, you know, uh, there's Star Trek. So I figured, hey, why not try to sell a few other things, you know? Uh, hey, but good for you for spending time with your kids. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Once. That was the last time I, <laughs> I saw him. Yeah. 30 years ago. They're still in the car, aren't they? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's always popping up that always. Bob. It doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't no. surprise me that he, he, yeah. Bob is a, he's a menace. He is. He is. Uh, Aaron Spelling produced the movie as he'd worked on Three O'Clock High. He'd helped produce it. Um, Spelling brought on Bob Clark to polish the script and direct the film. Nice choice. Yeah, Bob Clark is fantastic. Despite being well known as the highest grossing director in Canada, Clark was actually born in New Orleans and was raised in Alabama before settling in Florida. Yeah, it took us a while to get over that, eh? We made him put Canadian stuff in his movies, eh? I, well, uh, well, I'll get to why he was in Canada in just a second. Uh, his father died when he was young, and his mother was a barmaid. Uh, they were very poor. He did what a lot of poor kids do. He got really good at sports. Okay. After attending Catawba College, majoring in philosophy, Clark won a football scholarship to Hillsdale College in Michigan, where he played quarterback. Ooh. Eventually, he studied theater at the University of Miami, turning down offers to play professional football. Good for him. Yeah. He probably didn't like it. He loved theater. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He was like, yeah, this is a way to get... He probably had his college all paid for. Football was a means to an end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bob Clark got his start directing in 1967 with the cross-dressing feature She-Man, a story of fixation starring Leslie Marlowe, a famous professional drag queen. Wow. Yeah. They it didn't was, try to outlaw the movie? Uh, no, it was 1967. They didn't care back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have waited another 50 years before right. people freaked out. <laughs> Uh, in 1972, Clark started his horror career with a low-budget flick, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Good uh, advice. <laughs> you've seen this. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, it is available uh, for watching on, like, Tubi or one of those uh, one of those free uh, streaming services. Nice. I don't – I'm sure I've seen it. I don't remember I, it. It was – it cost $50,000, was shot in 14 days, and starred a bunch of Clark's college buddies. Nice. Clark and his collaborator for this film, screenwriter and makeup artist Alan Ormsby, would revisit the zombie genre in 1972's Death Dream, also known by its alternative title, Dead of Night, a Vietnam War allegory that takes its cue from the classic short story, The Monkey's Paw. Monkey's Paw. That's where you get a hand, a monkey's hand, and you make wishes, and the little fingers go clook. Always be careful Oop. what you wish for. Yeah, it's going to F you. Yeah. Never take a monkey's paw. Never, this is good ever. advice. Never, yeah. ever. Well, you could take it. But don't use don't it. Don't ever wish it. Yeah. Because it's not going to be a good But advice. if you take it, you're going to. This is exactly what happened to the monkey's paw. They took it. They said, we can't use it. And then eventually somebody did. And then their kid died. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We're anti-monkey's paw here. Anti-monkey's paw. It's bad news. Uh, in 1974, Clark made the horror film classic Black Christmas, the granddaddy of slasher movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love this movie so much. It stars Olivia Hussey, Olivia Hussey, Keir Delea, Margot Kidder, Andrea Martin, Lynn Griffin, and John Saxon. One I, of Margot Kidder's first movies. And yeah. Andrea Martin. I didn't realize she was in this. Yeah. yeah. She's a teen. Yeah, she was young. They were all so young. Uh, Clark had moved to Canada, then a tax haven for Americans, and these exploitation productions were small by Hollywood standards, but made Clark a big fish in the small pond of the Canadian film industry of that era. I think exploitation is possibly my favorite new word. I know! That's why I included it! It it's is such so a good. good word. He literally moved to Canada to make movies because they got tax breaks. Hey, the exploitation, uh, you know, I find it a little bit insulting, eh? <laughs> you know... 
not all of us eat back bacon and wear toques. You know, some of us are scientists, eh? Yeah. We're, we're not all. I, you know. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Okay. You don't all just play hockey and drink beer? Well, no, we do that. We all do that. But, you know, some of us are teachers, eh? <laughs> in 1979, Clark directed Murder by Decree, starring Christopher Plummer and Genevieve Bujold, which won five Genie Awards, including Best Achievement Direction and Best Performance for both leads. Is that the, the Genies, Canadian Oscars? The Genies are the Canadian equivalent of the Oscars. The Genies. Yeah. The Genies. I don't know why they call them the Genies. Uh, in 1981, he wrote and directed Porky's, the raunchy sex comedy, which made $160 million off of a $5 million budget, making it the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. What's really funny is Porky's is actually a pretty deep movie. Yeah. It yeah. deals with some pretty serious issues. Like, right. You know, the, 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 this quote unquote slutty girl. Yeah. You know, she's made human, they humanize her. There's a whole subplot of anti-Semitism right, that right. they deal with. It's just, Yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's a lot more than just that raunchy shower scene. This is this is what Bob Clark does. Yeah, like he it seems like oh it's just a raunchy teen sex comedy or oh it's just a movie about a guy with DID. No, no, it actually is directed well and has deeper meaning. Yeah, yeah, he's just good at that stuff. Well, yeah, but he it's like he gets crap. And try, you know, it's... He does the best he can. He does. <laughs> he you know, does it's, he he's Hamburger Helper, basically, he, for these he horrible he movies. Uh, in 1983, he co-wrote and directed Porky's 2 the next day, which didn't do nearly as well as the original film. Yeah, that one wasn't very good. No. Uh, but 1983 was also the year that he directed A Christmas Story, the holiday classic starring Darren McGavin, Melinda Dillon, and Peter Billingsley. Never heard of it. No. Any good? Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, Christmas Day. You should just turn on TBS. It's on 12 times. You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. Uh, he directed a kind of sequel called My Summer Story in 1984, starring Charles Grodin, Mary Steenburgen, and Kieran Culkin. I love Charles Grodin. <laughs> he was... Yeah. Holy miscast. Oh, well, yeah. This was originally, actually, My Summer Story was supposed to be with the original cast. Sure. But it got stuck in turnaround, and then, and then, then died, and then Darren McGavin died. Darren McGavin died, and it's not. It just became to the point where they were too old to yeah. do it, and it was like okay. But it's so they just, recast. But yeah, I've never actually seen my summer story. I, it's not. It's just sad because none of them are as good <laughs> as the original cast. Right. Right. And you know Charles Grodin, he doesn't do likable mean. He just does kind of mean. mean yeah. And yeah. there's not a lot likable to it. No. Um, he told me in Clifford, we tried to see him be likable mean, and it just got to the point where it's like, no, just get mean. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. So it's just, you know, the, the, the Darren McGavin is such an amazing performance in A Christmas Story because he's gruff. He's everybody's so good. gruff yeah. dad with a soft he, heart. He was my dad when I was growing up. I, I identified with him. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. If, if he drank a lot, he would have been my stepdad. But uh, <laughs> as much as I adore Charles Grodin, he just... It just wasn't. He, he didn't right. click it. He didn't yeah. click that part right. That's too bad. Uh, he would direct three more features before Loose Cannons in 1990. Ryan Stone in 1984 from a screenplay by Sylvester Stallone and Phil Alden Robinson and starring Stallone, Dolly Parton, Richard Farnsworth, and Ron Liebman. With that amazing song sung by Sylvester Stallone. <sighs> and he called me a drinking stein. Uh, this there's an I love Bob Clark so much, but there is an ongoing thread that he has made some of the worst movies considered worldwide some of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, uh, Rhinestone is one of those. That's his fault. I he decided to direct a movie written by. I, hey, wait, wait, wait. Go, 
Nice stores, really good movie, and I sing it. You know? It was eight years after Rocky. Like, it's he was a huge star. A big star. Ugh. Oh, uh, my brother's not the only singer in the family. Okay? Yeah, yeah. No, he actually, actually, he is. Uh, it is cold. That's low blow at him. Yeah. Well, low blows. It's also true. I right know, below the belt. All right, we'll go back to Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I canceled that. <laughs> I think they did, too. Uh, he did, uh, 1985, he did Turk 182, uh, starring Timothy Hutton, Robert Urich, Kim Cattrall, Robert Culp, and Peter Boyle. A great movie, by the way. I remember seeing this and really liking it when I was growing up. Oh, it was a sleeper. It, yeah. it got a lot of really good reviews. People didn't see it because nobody cared about Timothy Hutton back then. No. And Robert no. Ulrich was just Spencer in charge. Yeah. But, uh, Spencer for hire. Spencer for hire. <laughs> Well, Spencer in Charge was the name of the book, one of the oh, books. Oh, was it? Yeah, because no. it's based on a bunch well, of novels. Well, the show was Spencer for Hire. I love that because it was in Boston. Yeah. Um, nice. Anyway. Uh, Tur- but it was a good yeah. movie. Turquoise 2 was great. I remember it was one of those that seemed like it, it was on TV all the time, and I would catch it a lot. It just had a, it, the whole plot was, was Robert Urich was a firefighter who got hurt on the job. Right. And his brother tried to bring notice to it because they wouldn't give him benefits or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a kind of a complicated plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was also one of the first movies, movies to receive a PG-13 rating. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the hip, he shot in 1987 a courtroom comedy drama co-written with David E. Kelly. You gotta put quotes under comedy well, and drama. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's David E. Kelly. Uh, starring Judd Nelson, Elizabeth Perkins, John Hurt, Ray Walston, Darren McGavin, and David Allen Greer. Uh, I've never seen this movie. I uh, was a huge, huge fan of Judd Nelson, and I, when uh, when I was a young boy, I looked a lot like him. I used to actually get oh yeah confused for him because yeah. I had the swoops, swoopy yeah. hair like he yeah. did, and same weird nose. We have a very similar profile yeah, I can see if that. you look yeah. at it. Yeah. Very similar profile. Um, this movie was awful. Oh really? He, it is so bad. Like he, David Allen Greer and he are like opposing councils and somehow they like finagle the trial and 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 right. do an end run thing for this one trial and then there's this weird murder with John Hurt is the murderer or whatever and he's got to like atone it's just so stupid and Judd Nelson was just Holy miscast. Yeah, and yeah. Badly yeah. directed. Literally, just. you just describing it sounds like he should not have been this movie. It basically killed his career. Wow. Yeah. Wow. God, that's terrible. Oh, well, he was nominated for a Razzie Award as worst actor for his role in the film, where he lost to Bill Cosby for Leonard Part Six, which is generally considered to be the worst film ever made. Well, you know, when you're putting stuff in all of the crew and casts drinks and they pass out halfway through shooting, I... you're not going to make a good movie. I uh, I I did I I got went down a weird Leonard Part Six rabbit hole right in the script, <laughs> and it's so bizarre. Well, there were Bill Cosby did not do himself any favors no. in the movie department in the eighties and nineties. No. Ghost no. Dad and Leonard Part Six. Ghost Dad was Oscar worthy compared to Leonard Part Six. Nobody knew what Leonard Part Six was supposed to be. It was like this wannabe. Uh, he was like a super spy. Yeah, and this was supposed and to be the sixth, the sixth movie because the other, but the other five are top secret, and you couldn't see them. The whole thing was a misstep from from the word go. Yeah, it was bad. They didn't. Yeah, they did not know what to do with him. I'm looking forward to us covering it at some point. Yes. Oh God, I don't. <laughs> yes, on our on our uh, uh, quote unquote rapist month. Oh no, we'll do no. him and Harvey Weinstein. Oh no, 
No. Who else do we got? We'll just do a bad Fatty Arbuckle. That's fine. Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> wow, we'll go way back. Although so Fatty might have been innocent. Fatty innocent. Fatty might have been framed. Okay. Poor Fatty. <laughs> okay. In 1999, Clark co-wrote and directed Baby Geniuses, the first full-length feature to use computer-generated imagery for the synthesis of human visual speech. Oh, my God. Baby Geniuses is prob- possibly the worst movie made in the 90s. Uh, Yeah. I mean, probably. I, I mean, I, I can't think of anything that's worse. It was so bad. I worked in a video. Wait, that was 99. 99. I didn't work in a video store no. then. I don't know how. I must have saw it on cable or something. It had to have been, yeah. I yeah. did not go to the theater for that, Adam. <laughs> Unfortunately, the movie was panned but made enough money on home video to warrant a sequel in 2004. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, which Clark also directed. This was also the time where they had Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking 2 yeah. and Look Who's Talking Now and right, Look Who's Talking right. Again. I mean, it was all these stupid movies about babies and dogs talking and then they'd give them – Celebrity voices, and then right. it's like, let's do it with these babies. But it was creepy. It was yeah. creepy. It was not. Uh, granted, it still advanced the technology of of the human visual speech. Of sure. The, the fa- yeah. It yeah. was so unnatural. It, talk about Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was just a bunch of demon babies. Uh, the sequel is considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. Uh, shout out to my friend Mark from college who made me go see it with him in the theater. Wow. What's <laughs> up with that? Because he hated the first movie so much, and he just hate-watched Super Babies. Wow. He paid to hate-watch that. Yes. <laughs> That's a masochist. Yeah. It was uh, – it's bad. Oh, my God. It's bad. Uh, also, in 2004, Clark directed the ABC t- family TV movie The Karate Dog, starring Chevy Chase, Simon Rex, John Voight, Jamie Presley, and Pat Morita. Poor Jamie Presley and poor Pat Morita. Yeah. You know, Simon Rex. You remember Simon Rex? Yeah, kind of. Simon Rex, he was like this MTV guy. Yeah. Had a bit of a career. And then it, then all of these, pardon me, but all of these solo masturbation tapes of him came out. Oh. And oh. kind of killed his career. Porn killed his career. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, don't release your masturbation tapes. Lesson learned. Really? <laughs> Damn it. Sadly, in 2007, Clark was driving through the Pacific Palisades with his younger son and was hit by a drunk driver who swerved into oncoming traffic and was tested as having three times the legal BAC level while driving without a license. God, I... mm, That is the most preventable crime in the world. Yep. Drunk driving, I have absolutely no sympathy for anybody getting busted for drunk driving. Uh, apparently the California penal system does because the driver pleaded no contest and served six years in prison for vehicular manslaughter. Did he, did both of them die? Yes. He killed a... a, Both of them. That's just... Six years. He apparently wasn't, was barely hurt, but they both died. Of course, the drunk always is fine because their body is just Six years. Six years for murdering two people. And murdering a, a... Knowingly getting behind a wheel without a license and being so drunk... That you're three times the legal limit, he should still be in prison. Yes, he murdered a national treasure that made a Christmas story. Yeah, I every year he should be forced to sit for the entire 48 <laughs> hours and watch TV the Christmas story over and over again. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> Gene Hackman was cast as Detective MacArthur Max Stern. Max Stern. Uh, Hackman had five movies released in 1988. I, I'm, I'm going to go around when the movie was shot rather sure. than it was released. 
Uh, Bat 21, co-starring Danny Glover about saving a U.S. airman shot down behind enemy lines during the Vietnam War. Great movie. I don't think I've ever seen this. It's a great movie. And I need to see it, yeah. It's one of those... They had a lot of these behind enemy lines movies for a while. It was its own genre. Yeah. But this is one of the better ones, and he and Danny Glover were just awesome. I love both of them so much. Well, it's just such a neat uh, relationship because there's certain... I think... Bat 21 is the person that goes down. Bat 21. Bat yeah, 21. Yeah. And they're behind enemy lines. And they're and I, I don't remember who was the pilot and who was the guy. Right. I think Hackman was the was the pilot. Pilot. I think so. I don't know. That sounds right. I haven't seen this since it came out. But I love this movie. And we'll definitely cover yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Split Decisions, a boxing crime movie co-starring Craig Sheffer, Jeff Fahey, and Jennifer Beals. I don't remember that. All I remember is Craig Sheffer was slated it was really funny when uh a river run through it a river runs through it a river runs through came it came out mm-hmm. uh directed by um Sundance uh Robert Redford, Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. it was with Craig Schiffer and Brad Pitt <laughs> and all of the articles were Craig Schiffer's he's, he's, he's the be next huge. Paul Newman yeah. he's the next big guy he's the next nobody's talking about Brad Pitt yeah and guess what happened yeah and then guess who spent 7 seasons on one tree hill Craig Sheffer, did he? <laughs> yes. They tried with him. They, they tried. did. I mean, it's not. He had a decent career. He just didn't have a sure. Brad Pitt career by any means. Well, he just wasn't as good. He was good in that movie. I right. mean, that they were both great in that movie. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Brad Pitt. No offense to our buddy, but Brad Pitt's a much better actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Another Woman, the Woody Allen drama starring Gina Rowlands and a ton of other people. Uh, I've never seen this Woody Allen movie. It's about the time I gave up on Woody Allen. Yeah. Late 80s. Yeah. yeah. Early yeah. 90s. It was like, hmm. I think the last thing I saw of him that I liked was the Bullets Over Broadway, which okay. was later than the 90s. It was in the 90s. Yeah, it was in the 90s. It John was in the Cusack. 90s. Yeah. It was a fun movie, but. Yeah. He just pretty much started making the same damn movie over and over right, again. Right, right, right. Uh, Hackman was also in Full Moon and Blue Water, co-starring Terry Garr, Burgess Meredith, and Elias Cotius. Elias Cotius. Yeah, which I, I've never seen. I have no idea. Uh, and perhaps the most notable in 1988, Mississippi Burning, co-starring Willem Dafoe, directed by Alan Parker, and he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. Which he should have won. That movie he is should've. ridiculously good. Good old Alan Parker, man. Fantastic director. But also such a great movie about the civil rights era and yeah. just, like, what these guys were up against in the South yeah, with yeah. the Klan and just this. It was insane. Willem Dafoe also should have won an Oscar. He was yeah. ridiculous in this movie. It was a great movie. Uh, it was it was nominated for like 12 or 13 Academy Awards, if I remember correctly. Well, he should have should have won. I did only won a few. It didn't win a lot, unfortunately. It's a shame. But Alan Parker, he's so fantastic. Yep. Uh, he also made... Uh, uh, um, Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone. Check out our Bugsy Malone episode, Alan Parker. Bugsy Malone. We talk about him a lot more, uh, which is a weird movie, but great. It's a great movie. In 1989, Hackman was in... <laughs> is it great? Bugsy yeah. Malone? I mean, I would say it's great. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. Okay. And it's I mean, uniqueness. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, but it was a great movie. Best thing Scott Bayo's ever right? done. <laughs> wait. Wait. Charles in charge. Charles in charge. Or, Chachi. Chachi. Joni loves Chachi. Well, yeah. He's got three things. Pick them. He's got Bugsy Malone, (laughs) Joni loves Chachi, Happy Days, which is Joni loves Chachi, Chachi and and Charles Charles in Charge. charge. Yeah. And then right wing a hole. (laughs) 
1989, Hackman was in The Package, a political action thriller co-starring Joanna Cassidy, Tommy Lee Jones, John Hurd, and Dennis Franz. Ah, I kept saying, check out my package. Yeah. Check out my package. Uh, that was whole, a good movie. The movie was, this is, a, I read the plot synopsis of it, and I almost included it, but I was like, no, it would be speed bump. But it's literally about the Soviet Union in America deciding to disarm all their nukes. And then military guys below them going, no. Yeah. And then th- overthrowing that whole plan. I was like, really? Like, that's the plot of your movie? There was, I, yeah. It, it was the time when Russia was the bad guy all the time. And didn't his wife get, like, kidnapped or something? And- uh, well, no, some guy got assassinated. Hackman was the head of, like, the security team while they were having their talks. And then a guy comes in and assassinates somebody. And he gets blamed because your perimeter wasn't right, right, tight right. enough. Okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm convincing yeah. I'm convincing. I'm confusing this with the movie he did with uh, Matt Dillon, where, and I think it was Joanna Cassidy again. I'm not probably, sure. Probably. But his wife, oh, no, no, no. I think it was Ann Archer. His wife gets kidnapped, and right. then he and Matt Dillon have to go, have to go save her because he was a secret agent or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, did some weird a lot stuff. of these movies all, all blend together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Hackman has had a stellar career. Uh, one uh, of the best actors ever. I, 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 I got to be honest. After watching Loose Cannons, I want to go back and watch more of his stuff from yep. this era because he was so good. God, he was so good. If you haven't seen a movie called The Conversation, starring <sighs> Gene Hackman and directed by uh, Coppola, I believe it was Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola yeah. yeah, go get it now. It is the absolute best movie about paranoia you will yes. ever see. And the performance by Gene Hackman is – it's his best performance of his career. Totally and that's saying a lot. Totally agree. It was – it is a phenomenal movie. Tour de force. Absolutely phenomenal. We will cover it at some point. Uh, he hasn't been in a feature film since 2004 when he did Welcome to Mooseport. Yeah, Welcome to Mooseport. Yeah. You're running from me. Everybody loves Raymond. But you know, everybody likes Gene Hackman. Oh, guy ain't no good. That can win me They tried so hard to make him a bigger star than uh, just the TV. Um, and, yeah. Not just Raymond. Yeah. And all the stuff, too. <laughs> he, <laughs> he voiced... i got to say, uh, just really quickly, uh, Ray... Uh, Romano, Romano yeah. has done some pretty incredible no, he's, work he's since. A, he's a great actor. He, he really is. Turned he's <laughs> fine. They just were pushing him so hard. And it was like, I don't know what to do with me. You know, <laughs> they're going to make me a, a mammoth in yeah. cartoons. Uh, I am a big fan of the guy who created uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. He has that travel show that's really good on Netflix. Yes. Um, yeah. Feed. Phil. Phil Rosenthal. Somebody feed Phil. Somebody feed Phil. Yeah, it's great. Uh, which is literally, he's Ray Romano, just doesn't have the voice. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah. yeah uh, so, yeah, Hackman retired. He did. He played. just retired. Yeah. He he did voice a couple documentaries about the Marines and Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima in, I like Iwo Jima <laughs> Iwo Jima in 2016 and 2017. Uh, in 2012, 81-year-old Hackman was struck by a pickup truck while bicycling in the for- Florida Keys. Kind of like Stephen King. Exactly. He made a full recovery, and he remains an active cyclist at the age of 93. Yeah, I saw some pictures of him recently. He's pretty unrecognizable. He's super skinny. Yeah, he's 93. He's 93, but he's still doing, getting his coffee, running around, doing his thing. Yeah, I just, I respect a guy who, who, like, I mean, now it's been almost 18 years, but he's just like, yeah, I'm good. Look, I'm good. Plus, he did his time, man. Oh, yeah. And these guys can retire if they don't want to I do it anymore. worked his butt off for three decades. Yeah, and, and uh, Unforgiven. Didn't uh, he get an Oscar nom for that? I believe he did, yeah. Should have won. I don't, don't think he won, yeah. Such a great character and, and an amazing he, movie. I think he got nominated for The Conversation, too, but 
At some point, I'll, we'll yeah, go, yeah, we'll go over because yeah. Hackman is just when we when we hit a, a a deeper Hackman movie, we'll we'll cover him. We'll do a Hackman. He deserves a. Month. He does. He does. There's some great movies he was in. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, of course, was cast as Detective Ellis Fielding. Uh, Aykroyd had a busy 1988 and 1989, appearing in six movies. In 1988, it was The Couch Trip, co-starring Walter Matthau, Charles Gordon, and Donna Dixon. Another, like, mental illness yeah. sitch. Yeah. Uh, Caddyshack 2, as the mercenary hired to kill Jackie Mason. That, first of all, is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> one of the worst movies yeah, ever made. it's really bad. Um, it was just, boy, Jackie Mason. He was trying to do his thing. But too, it, there's too, too much Jackie Mason. <laughs> hey. <laughs> what are you talking about? You got to take him in small bits, man. But Dan Aykroyd's character, he was this guy who talked he, like this and was, I think he was castrated he was, by a... They were, try, they were trying so hard to capture the Bill Murray yes. weirdness, and it just was so obvious. Oh, it was so bad. That movie was so bad. And I think even Chevy Chase came back for like a cameo in it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, okay. Hey, it's Jackie Mason. Hey, you gonna talk to? Hey, you gotta help me. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did the thing. Yeah, he do the thing. And I, uh, he's like the Deus Ex Machina, if I remember correctly. He comes in and, anyway, anyway. Anyway, don't ever see that movie. movie. It's My a bad God, Caddyshack stands alone. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, no sequels never, were made. Never made a sequel oh, to that. So bad. Uh, he also did My Stepmother is an Alien, co-written by Herschel Weingrod, who wrote Trading Places, and co-starring Kim Basinger, John Lovitz, and Allison Hannigan. That wasn't bad. Uh, this is another another. This is the funny thing is we were talking earlier about movies and how they go through the process. That movie originally was not a comedy. It was an allegory for child abuse. Oh boy! And then it turned into a comedy and became about aliens. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's a weird uh, journey yeah. for that movie. Super weird. Probably better. Uh, he was in The Great Outdoors, written and produced by John Hughes, co-starring John Candy, Annette Bening, and Robert Prosky. Very funny movie. One of my favorite comedies from the eighties. You get to see him. A bear with a bear butt. Oh, the bear, the, the poor bear. Uh, Bart the bear. Bart the bear. But it's such a great movie. And 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 he, Aykroyd does such a good job of being a sleazy slime ball in that yeah. movie. Like, it's so good. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so good. But he comes around. He does. He does. He has a great arc, but it's he just played it so well. Well, he and Candy are gold together oh, in this God, movie. And so it's good. this was the rena- this was the, the just the great John Candy time yeah. when he kept doing these weird little movies like this and Summer Rental and yeah. just yeah. these weird little like vacation movies basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but they were so good. Uh he also had an uncredited cameo in the John Hughes film She's Having a Baby in which he plays the same character Roman Craig from The Great Outdoors. Makes sense. I did. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I didn't realize he was in it. There was a couple other people that have cameos in that movie. Too. Tons of people yeah. do because that's yeah. It was that's actually it's a weird John Hughes movie because it's really funny and there's some really funny stuff in it. But then it gets super, super, yeah, like dramatic and dark. Serious, and yeah. then the Kate yeah. Bush song comes on. And, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> in 1989, he was in Driving Miss Daisy, in which he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and which won the Best Picture Award. That movie showed just what a great actor he is, because it yeah. was such a s- seemingly deceptively simple part. Yeah. And he brought so much to it. And it it's just, to me, it's another one of those things where I just love seeing these comedians do turns in drama and right. just knock it out of the park. I mean, this guy yeah. has always been great. Yeah, yeah. 1989 also brought Ghostbusters 2, which he also co-wrote. I I still have a soft spot for of Ghostbusters 2. I mean, it's it's not as good as the first movie. No. But it's not as bad as Caddyshack 2. Well, 
Yeah. Well, that's like saying, you know, stubbing your toe isn't as bad as having your leg amputated. Well, I mean, it's true. (laughs) You win. No argument there. You got this one. Uh, Ackroyd can most recently be seen in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which came out in 2021, and in the video game Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, reprising his role as Ray Stance in both movies. Nice. Yeah, pretty much everything he's done the last, like, five years has been Ghostbusters-related. Hey, then he broke. He's executive producing all this stuff, so it's like, whatever, man, go for it. Uh, Ackroyd said of loose cannons at the time, This is the wildest role I've ever had. Most people think I've played a really crazy person before, but in the couch trip 1988, I was portraying a guy who was pretending to be crazy. I've never actually played a guy who is technically a multiple personality. Yeah, and technically that's up for debate. Technically in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've talked about it already, but yeah, it's obviously... We're going to talk about it again. I know. Uh, Dom DeLuise was cast as Harry the Hippo Gutterman. <laughs> <laughs> so mean It is In 1961 DeLuise played in the Off-Broadway musical review Another Evening With Harry Stoons With a 19-year-old Barbara Streisand Nice Yeah He did a lot of Off-Broadway In his early age He was known primarily For his comedic performances He rose to fame In the 1970s A frequent guest On television variety shows DeLuise acted with his Good friend Burt Reynolds In a series of movies He appeared with him In The Cannonball Run In The Cannonball Run 2 Smoking the Bandit 2 The End And The Best Little Whorehouse In Texas Beginning in the 1980s His popularity expanded to younger audiences from voicing characters in several major animated productions, particularly those of Don Bluth. Let's just really quickly, he and Burt Reynolds were gold together. Oh, yeah, yeah. So funny. And the, it was just, uh, the best part of the, 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 the best part of the Cannonball Run movies was the end when they did the bloops. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was just Burt Reynolds slapping the ass. Out of poor Dom DeLuise. <laughs> he would just, anytime he'd make a mistake, oh, Burt Reynolds just slap him hard across the face to the point where he was just like gun shy. It was, it was crazy. Uh, so some of the Don Bluth movies that he voiced was The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, A Troll in Central Park, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven was released in 1989 and also featured voice acting from Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, technically, they acted together, quote quotes. You know, they were a great team. We'll they were to do that. They were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely got to cover Cannonball Run, Cannonball Run 2, Smoking the 2. Yeah, for sure. DeLuise voiced Pizza the Hut in Spaceballs in 1987. Uh, he voiced Fagin in the Disney animated film Oliver and Company in 1988. But DeLuise took the part in Loose Cannons for a very particular reason. One of the reasons I took the part is because I get the opportunity to shoot a gun. Here I was in show business all these years, and I never had a machine gun in my hands that really worked. Now I get to shoot more bullets than Rambo 1, 2, and 3 put together. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He just literally was like, I want to shoot a gun. Oh, man. Which was great. The scene where he pops out, (laughs) he just goes to town with that machine gun. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, that was great. It's just, oh, man, he just, so big. He just looked like... He was out of breath. He, it's poor, every whole time, time he had to run and stuff, I just oh, felt yeah. bad for Every him. time, every time. Uh, DeLuise's last credit was reprising his role of Pizza the Hut in Spaceballs, the animated series, in 2009. Uh, he passed from kidney failure on May 4th, 2009, after battling cancer for a year. So sad. He's got a bunch of kids that were on 21 Jump Street. I think all of his kids were on oh, 21 really? Jump Street at one point or another. But it, watching this, it just made me sad that he never got to play Jack Black's dad. Because yeah. he would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. As father and son. Uh, Ronnie Cox was cast as Bob Smiley, the FBI agent. Yeah, Ronnie Cox. Cox is most well known as Lieutenant Bogomil in the first two Beverly Hills Cops movies and as Jones, the bad guy in Robocop in 1987. Guns, 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 guns. 
Oh, yeah. Cox said about RoboCop, Phil means a lot to me because it has opened up my career. It's as if I've been rediscovered. I'm now being offered guys like Smiley, not just Mr. Nice Guy because of it. Yeah, apparently Ronnie Cox is one of the nicest guys in the world. Well, it just shows. I mean, he has that demeanor. But man, he plays bad so well. He was really good in this, too, as the yeah. a-hole FBI agent. That whole scene. And this is another Bob Clark and his directing. The whole scene where Hackman goes in to talk to him at the embassy, the German embassy, and the whole scene is just them walking upstairs yeah. and then downstairs and then up some stairs and then back down some stairs. And then it's like they're back at the door and it's like, okay, but that whole sequence is done so well. Yeah, there's like a whole scene that was shot behind a window. Yeah. That was just, they don't think they ever cut away from it. It was really, yeah. it's directed really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Travis was cast as Agent Rebecca Riva. Lohengrin, sorry, I couldn't read that for a second. Uh, Travis made her feature film debut in Three Men and a Baby in 1987 as the mother of the baby she leaves to Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson. Yes, wish she had an English accent. Yeah. It's funny. I had to look it up again because I don't remember that being her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You have to see my, you have to take the baby. I <laughs> think You've got to take the baby. You've okay, got to take my like, baby. It started first yeah. as Irish. You've got to take my baby. Um, but she's great in it. And she had a much bigger part in the sequel. Three uh, men and a little lady. Yeah. In 1988, she appeared in three movies, Married to the Mob, directed by Jonathan Demme. Great. And starring Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Modine, Dean Stockwell, Mercedes Rule, and Alec Baldwin. Uh, Eight Men Out, written and directed by John Sayles. Great movie. It was a great movie. She yeah. didn't have much of a part. No, no, no. Uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas, the World War II TV movie drama, co-starring Hal Holbrook, Eva Marie Saint, Courtney Cox, Peter Gallagher, and David Moscow, who played Josh Baskin from Big. Uh, it was a TV movie. I... It just, I was surprised that Peter Gallagher and Courtney Cox were in it. <laughs> well, I, yeah. On her getting the part in Loose Cannons, she said, I'm not what Hollywood would stereotype as an Israeli. This is the last part I thought I'd ever get offered. Yeah. She was great in the movie. I mean. She got the Israeli, Israeli accent down. Yeah. She did it really well. Uh, and, it, and she played really well against Hackman. Like, it was, she it did. was really good. I love how they, all the, all the Mossad. They all like <laughs> so obvious. We are sad. Look at our, our, you can see in our glasses, you know, I'm sad. <laughs> What's that? That's, curly hair. <laughs> that sounds more like Schwarzenegger. Than oh, it oh. Uh, most recently, she can be seen as a series regular on the Hallmark Channel show Ride and an episode of uh, Law and Order SVU. I saw that episode. She was excellent. She's great. She's fantastic. Paul Coslow was cast as Grimmer, the weird neo-Nazi who tries to murder everybody. Grimmer! Uh, Coslow also appeared in The Omega Man in 1971, but shortly after started getting roles as bad guys, usually as Russians or Germans, in over 100 movies and TV shows. Oh, yeah. He was a bad guy on everything. Everything. Uh, he had just come off the film Robot Jocks, directed by Stuart Gordon of Reanimator fame, and written by Joe Haldeman, who wrote The Forever War. Robot, Robot Jocks. Robot Jocks was that movie that my best friend Damien and I in high school would watch all the time because it was so awful. Oh, yeah. Did not know it was, it was written by Joe Haldeman, who was one of my favorite authors of all time. Nice. Did not know it was directed by Stuart Gordon, who did Reanimator, who was a fantastic director. The movie's not. No. <laughs> At all. Everybody gets... It is everybody has one. So ridiculously bad. Ridiculously bad. It's good, but uh, it's so bad. Uh, about his role in Loose Cannons, Paul Coslow said, It's a real challenge for me to play this character after playing a bad guy so many times, to make it fresh, interesting, and alive. I wanted to put a little sense of humor into this character because he's so evil, but it had to be so. Yeah, he did a great job. I mean, 
He just runs around and kills people. Uh, <laughs> J.T. Walsh was originally cast as Grimmer, completing two days of filming before Dan Aykroyd learned he had been in the cast of the John Belushi biopic Wired. Yeah. Uh, so Aykroyd actually had him fired over his participa- participation in the other film, which Aykroyd had opposed being made. Everybody did. That was, Wired was a book that came out that was written by, was Bob Woodward? Yes. The Brit Wired? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There was also yes. a book that came out that was written by his ex-wife that was also... Um, Kind of salacious. Yeah, but this, you know, like any book at the time, it 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 just it just concentrated on his drug use right, and right. the abuse and the this and the that, and nobody wanted to see this made into a movie. Right, right. Michael Chiklis starred as Belushi. He was blackballed for years. Yeah, um, yeah. because of it. Anybody who was, you know, everybody from uh, Dan Aykroyd to uh, Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels wanted this film scrapped. And, yeah. And when it yeah. came out, it flopped. It just yeah. was. It didn't do it. It was well. a bad idea from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dick O'Neill was cast as the captain. Uh, O'Neill has a 40 plus year career as a character actor. He's been in everything. Everything. Uh, he's probably most well known as playing Charlie Cagney in the TV show Cagney and Lacey, but he's made appearances in. Car 54, where are you? The Honeymooners, Barty Miller, Sanford and Son, Good Times, Cash, Smash, The Feather and the Father Gang, The Facts of Life, Family Matters, Mad About You, Murder, she wrote, Father Dowling Mysteries, Three's Company, Wonder Woman, One Day at a Time, Magnum P.I., A Man Called Intrepid, Growing Pains, Talk Justice, Cheers, Dharma and Greg, Sybil, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Human Improvement. I keep hearing about this Feather and Father gang. Feather and Father gang? I have no idea what it <laughs> no is. No idea what it is either. I'm so curious. The Feather and Father gang. It was some TV show. Yeah, thank you. From the 70s. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thanks for, because we just said it was a TV yep. show. Uh, he also appeared in a ton of movies like The Jerk in 1979, The Mosquito Coast in 1986, and She's Out of Control in 1989, starring Tony Danza and Amy Dolenz. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, it was bad. I had a huge crush on Amy Dolenz growing up. Everybody did. Yeah. O'Neill passed away in November 1988 from heart failure at that's... the age of 70. Oh, that's too young. Yeah, uh, he had more years in him for sure. Amy Dolenz is Mickey Dolenz's daughter from Correct. the Monkees. From the Monkees. Yeah, this guy was a journeyman. He was one of those character actors that everybody loved, everybody yeah. loved working with, and he just showed up in everything. Yeah, he was. He worked constantly. It's just one of those great careers. Yeah. Robert Prosky was cast as Kirk Von Metz of the Von Metz incident. Uh, <laughs> in 1990, Prosky also appeared in Gremlins 2, The New Batch as Grandpa Fred. Uh, please listen to our episode about it. Uh, it's a very good movie. One of the best sequels. And in Funny About Love, directed by Leonard Nimoy and starring Gene Wilder in his first romantic part. Yeah. I've never seen Funny About Love. Uh, I like Leonard Nimoy. He's a great director. Leonard Nimoy. Uh, he also directed Three Men and a Baby. He did. Uh, and I can't imagine Gene Wilder in a romantic part. It just seems odd. He played a few romantic parts. He played that. He played the woman in red. Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. He was. He's a great there actor. There romantic I mean, parts of yeah. the. Of, of, of Willy Wonka? <laughs> no, but Young Frankenstein. He yes, had love I know, interest. I know, there's, I know, you know, I know. there's other <laughs> films. It's not like he's ugly. He's a good actor. No, not by any means. He's a handsome just, leading man. Okay. He and Harrison Ford had a lovely relationship in the Cisco Kid. Yeah, that's well, that's true. Uh, on TV, Prosky was most well known for appearing in three seasons of Hill Street Blues. Uh, he made memorable appearances in features like Christine in 1983, yeah. uh, Broadcast News in 1987, The Great Outdoors in 1988, Last Action Hero Rudy and Mrs. Doubtfire in 1993. Yeah. Big year for him. Well, he was uh, the, the owner of the 
yeah. the, the cinema in last year. Right, Nightmare. right. He was great. They're, all three of those movies were great. Uh, and he was uh, in Dudley Do-Right, 1989, as Inspector Fenwick. Yeah. Uh, I only the only reason I put that in was because uh, when I was in Universal, they had a log ride that was Dudley Do Right, and it was done so well that I literally sat down and watched almost all the Dudley Do Right cartoons. Well, the cartoons are amazing. The ride was fantastic. The movie's not great. Well, no, but the actual Dudley Do Right and uh, Moose and Squirrel, yeah, uh, they're great. Uh, they're fantastic. The, the, I forget the name of the animation guys, but Jay Ward. The Jay Ward cartoons yeah. were absolutely. Fan. Uh, amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he and Christine is so gross. Yeah. He got the nasty little wet cigar popping out of his mouth. And he said, you get the car out of here. You get the car out of here. Uh, he died on December 8th, 2008, five days before his 78th birthday from complications of heart surgery. You know what his last words were? Uh, you get the car out of here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Get that car out of here. I think it was more, get that stent out of me because I'm going to die. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Jan Triska was cast as Steckler. Steckler! name is literally said about a thousand times during this movie. Steckler! It is the only thing you hear in the first ten minutes is them screaming Steckler over and over. where are you, Steckler? Uh, he's a Czech character actor that has appeared in more than 160 films, TV, and theater projects. Yeah, the one I, and I know you mentioned it, but the one I remember most, and he has such a little part, but his, it's his face that I remember, is the Larry Flint movie where yeah. he plays the assassin. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was one of his more notable roles, was as Joseph Paul Franklin, the would-be assassin of Larry Flint. It's and a blink and you miss it, though. It's not like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, this wasn't, you know... He, but he he was he worked with Milos Forman quite a bit, because oh, yeah. Milos Forman was a fellow Czech. Uh, his first American film role was Ragtime in 1981. Uh, on September 23rd, 2017, for reasons yet to be determined, he fell from the Charles Bridge in Prague. Yeah. Uh, passengers on a nearby boat rescued him from the Voltava River after which he was resuscitated and hospitalized in serious condition, and he died in the hospital two days later. He wasn't a friend of Vladimir Putin, was he? Because they have a tendency to fall, to off, fall bridges off bridges and out of windows. I, I don't know. Uh, he, he, after, the, in the mid-'90s, shortly after Loose Cannons, he went back to, to the Czech Republic, mm. and, and it was after they, they did the uh, Velvet Revolution, they called it, where they kind of overthrew the, the communist government. Oh. And then he went back and did a bunch of movies there. Cool. Yeah. And then maybe committed suicide. Uh, possibly. Uh, Leon Rippey was cast as Westcott. Uh, Rippey had a long career as a character actor, perhaps best known for his role as Tom Nuttall, a saloon owner in the HBO show Deadwood, and for appearing in the TNT crime drama Saving Grace from 2007 to 2010. He's great. You'd totally recognize him if you saw him. He's weird looking. <laughs> Specific, <laughs> yeah. He had a horrible laugh in this. Oh, God. He was just so annoying in this movie. Hey, what you gonna do? Go hitch your new partner? <laughs> it, was just, it was just the... I was, literally during the movie, Jim goes, oh, he was cast as the asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's perfect. We need an a-hole. Yeah. Get me Leon Ripper. Yeah. Uh, making some smaller guest appearances, David Allen Greer is Drummond. Oh, so young and slim and... Yeah. So full of promise, an amazing career just bubbling up in front of him. Yeah. I love him so, so, so much. He's perhaps best known for appearing in the sketch comedy show In Living Color from 1990 to 1994 and for appearing as Reverend Leon Lonnie Love on the sitcom Martin from 93 to 97. Uh, he is one of the absolute best sketch comedy actors. Yes. One of the best improvisers and one of the just truly, in his DNA, funny human beings. Yes. Like one of the guys yeah. that just... He has always one of my favorite things was when he used to go on the Kevin and Bean show, which was a morning show out here in Los Angeles for mm-hmm. many years. And he was so 
unbelievably <laughs> just raw and funny and ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah, very quick. Any, it's yes, so fast. Anytime he went on, it was just gold. I would I would be late for work. Just if to I, sit and so, listen. Yeah, because it's just magic. He's a magic man. We, at some point when we, we have something that's more his movie or his show, we'll, we'll go deeper into David Ellinger's career. We have to Which do it like deserves a, because yeah. he's so good. We've got to do like a, a sketch Actors Month yeah. and pick some of these guys that are just unsung just, heroes. Uh, Esipatha Merkerson was cast as Officer Rachel. Uh, she was the one that uh, uh, Hackman was getting all buddy buddy with at the beginning. No, gave her. Um, she took she care was of his cat. Li- yeah, literally, she was like, "Oh, you come back and you're already being misogynist. Great, <laughs> better than being racist." <laughs> That's what he said. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> I, I, I rolled my eyes at the, when he said it. Uh, she is best known for her award-winning portrayal of Lieutenant Anita Van Buren on the show Law and Order, a role she played from 1993 to 2010, appearing in 388 episodes of the series. She was great. I. I, it's crazy. I haven't really watched much of, Law of the original and Order. Law and Order. Yeah, I'm an SVU guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, someday I'm going to have to watch that show. But I, the, I have it's, watched some of it. and I remember her being on it. And I 380 episodes of a drama series is a lot. Uh, Reg E. Cathay was cast as Willie. Uh, he's very in this movie for a very short amount of time. But oh, he yeah. looked recognizable. He's probably most well known for his appearance on The Wire. Yeah, his whole part was, hey, hey, don't, don't <laughs> he take was, that van. He was running the, the like, cop shop, the, the, the car shop. Auto pool. The, auto pool. The van pool or whatever. Van pool, that's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. And they took the van. Hey, hey. But he's a great actor. The Wire is fantastic. He's an amazing actor. Yeah. It's just, it's always fun to see, like, Tobin Bell is in it. Oh, that's true. I totally forgot to put uh, him in. A, yeah. a very young Random Tobin Bell. Gets a very deep kiss from Paul Kozlo. <laughs> yeah, he's like this uh, German guy. He's like, ooh, we're going to be... But yeah, I mean, all these guys, we were just, we're like, hey, that's that guy. Hey, that's, that's oh that guy. God, Tobin Bell looked like he was like 14. He yeah. was so young. <laughs> Which he wasn't. He was probably like 40. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, yeah. Uh, the film was released on February 9th, 1990, and grossed $2.2 million on its opening weekend, ranking fifth at the box office. It's why this release was 1,214 theaters. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of confidence in this movie. They did not. It only played in cinemas for two weeks, where it grossed $5.5 million worldwide on a budget of $15 million. The film ended up being a box office flop. Uh, weird random facts about loose cannons. Andy Dick appears on the original poster, but it's not in the movie. Yeah, what's up with that? At the time, Andy Dick was getting a lot of work in print ads. Okay. It's him, like, popping out of the back of a... Uh, uh, ambulance with the two leads in the front, but it's just him like bursting out. Like it makes has nothing to do with the movie. I don't even remember them grabbing an there ambulance. There is not the poster had. This is again. I think this really comes down to the studios didn't know what to do with it. They sat on it. They finally just go, okay, we just got to release it. There goes. It was released in February. Yeah. Look. Um, oh, this is all you, wasn't it, Bob? Look, I owed some favors to Andy Dick. I don't want to go into why, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I promised to put them on six posters, and that was the first. <laughs> that was the first. All right. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, please don't um, look into that. I, I, I can hear your kids honking the horn. They want to, <sighs> they, 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 you need to go. Yeah, it's really hot out there. <laughs> Bob. God, two times. Such a poor parent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob, uh, Bob's a flop machine. <laughs> Loose Cannons received universally negative reviews from critics and has been declared one of the worst films of the early 1990s. Not true. It's not true. Uh, it does have the rare 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 18 reviews. 18. I know. I it know. had four and a half stars on it did. Prime on Prime. out of 308 it did. It reviews. Did. So 
I think it has a. I think it received a B minus cinema score from viewers. So I mean, which I think is accurate. It is not a bad movie. Yeah, I'd say a B, a B minus. Yeah, it's accurate. I mean, it's just hard to get past that real glaring bad choice of him being the roadrunner <laughs> because it's inconsistent. Yeah, because there's some really good poignant parts of him discussing his mental illness and discussing what's going on. If they had just stuck to him being on the spectrum, it would have been such a better movie. Or if they gave him one... An actual other personality. Yeah. You know, or two. that were just a weird PTSD Tourette's spewing out cartoon Yes, the guy that is basically, you know, oh, here's what I want you to do, Dan. Pretend like I got a remote control and you're a TV set. Yeah. And I'm switching to channels. That's basically DID in a nutshell, from what I understand. <laughs> Let's do this movie and do it right. In uh, May 2013, Calgary police investigated after footage from the film was found in a landfill by a worker who mistook it for evidence of an actual murder. So weird. Uh, it was later noticed that Aykroyd was in the frame, and the police contacted his agent, who after some searching stated it was a section from Loose Cannons. TMZ reported that after the incident, Aykroyd said, That movie should have been left in the landfill where it belongs. Yeah, he even before the movie came out, he well, it's obviously had a year and a half, but he distanced himself from the movie uh, before it came out. You know, it's a shame. It really is a shame because it is like 85 percent a really fun movie. Yeah. You know, maybe even 90 percent a fun movie because. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. The thing is, is they kind of drop this towards the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's it just becomes a convenient Plot device. Right. It, it isn't part of his personality, really, or part of his trauma. Yeah. And, you know, he finally, like, gets through his trauma. Right, right. Which that doesn't happen the way that it happened <laughs> no, either. No, no. But, you know, it's – I just – I think it's a good buddy cop movie. I think the, the two of them are great together. I think yeah. he does a really – Aykroyd's really smart. And right. he's really good at playing smart, quirky characters. Like yeah. he should play a. They should make a. I mean, maybe he's too old now, but make a detective show with him as like an yeah. old retired detective yeah. guy or something. He's just got that. He's got that very serious way of doing things. That's right. very, right. you know, probably because he's on the spectrum. But it's just, it's a good performance. It's a. The moments between the two of them are really good. Yeah. It is good yeah. acting. If you just saw, if somebody just showed you, the scene, where. Aykroyd's been shot, and uh, and and uh, Hackman comes up to him, and he's like, "Are you going to be okay? Whatever." Yeah, yeah. You would have been like, "I want to see that movie." Right, right, exactly. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's. It, I agree. I totally agree. It, it's a better movie than people think, and and it could have been yeah. a much better movie if certain choices. If were one person would have stood up and said, "This is not what DID is." Yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> they a, had made one phone yeah. call. <laughs> Just to anybody. <laughs> Should we maybe get, I don't know, like a expert? To no. Kind of... No. Sure? No. I mean, this is a pretty big deal. I'm it's... pretty sure Bob Ixnade all the experts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't, I'm not calling him back. You don't need an expert. I am the expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I didn't put this in, but I, I meant to. But Richard Christian Matheson has still is doing movies and stuff. He was part of the reason that Nightmares and Dreamscapes got made. Nice. Uh, which has one of the greatest episodes of TV I've ever seen called Battlegrounds. Where uh, I think it's John Hurt, yes, uh, and the little mini. and the little mini army men that go and attack him. Not a single line of dialogue in the entire hour 
Uh, it is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It oh, was, yeah. It was fantastic. Him, it, yes, it is. And it's a great story by Stephen King, too. Yeah, yeah. That was like a, it was such a good series. It was done by TNT, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. And they did such a nice job of adapting these short stories. Yeah. It was done, I remember when it came out, it was like a weekly thing. Yeah. And we yeah. were so excited to see these yeah. Stephen King things. Yeah. And usually so disappointed by Stephen King things. <laughs> and it was nice to see something deliver. Yeah, it was good. Uh, he's, he's doing more anthology stuff and, and still working and doing a lot of writing. Uh, he's a short story guy. He is. Uh, Richard Matheson would go on to focus on novels after this and short stories again after 1990, mainly writing westerns, releasing 17 novels until his death in 2013. From a drug overdose. No, he was like 86. Yeah, doing heroin every day. <laughs> yes. Shooting up. That uh, horse. Yeah, it was really funny because he also wrote like 100 short stories in that time. Like it was crazy how much he uh, he kept producing afterwards. Yeah. Well, short stories are easy. If you have a chance, uh, <laughs> a really good novel that came out in 1982, Western, The Journal of the Gun Years is really good. Nice. He also did a, a fictional Wild Bill Hickok um uh, novel which is really good cool um richard matheson he's really great uh i appreciate you letting me do a matheson month i'm a fan baby i love omega man that's in my wheelhouse that's part of my favorites i mean that's part of my uh charlton heston 70s sci-fi oh yeah yeah goodness i want to just live in that <laughs> stew of that and uh soylent green and the yeah. planet of the apes and i i'm really glad that we revisited loose cannons because it is a much better movie than i i remember and i think also movies were better back in the day (laughs) honestly it really was because even the bad maybe it's just nostalgia i I, i'm gonna give it up to some nostalgia and stuff probably some yeah but honestly this movie the the bad movies of like the 80s and 90s are kind of like B, B minus, B plus movies yeah. today. Yeah. Because they're not, uh, even though this, of course, was railroaded by executives or whatever yeah, yeah. and turned into something that it. it, it Mishmash yeah. nonsense. Yeah. It still has the seeds of a good movie in it. It still has yeah. a good chunk of a good movie in it. You could see where it was railroaded. I think a lot of the movies today are just kind of. You know CGI messes of yeah. that that start out as a community, you know, a bunch of bobs trying right, to right. shove as much as they can into a movie right. to to satisfy as many demographics as they can or whatever, and then it just comes out as this bloated, gross mess. Mostly superhero yeah. movies and stuff. I mean that you know yeah yeah um, a lot of sequels suffer from that. But watching a lot of the stuff that that we're revisiting, I just think that there was a better quality. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe it was mean, better directors or I don't know. I that, That's the amazing thing about this is that my memory of this movie is that it wasn't very good and I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. I, 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 I don't remember why I thought it was bad. I mean, you know, but like it, even it being quote unquote bad, like it's still a better movie than a lot of the movies made now. I laughed. I wasn't bored. I enjoyed the whole thing. I had oh. forgotten most of it. Yeah. You know, even the cringy parts, I will have to say, Dan Aykroyd does voices really well. He does. He does. You know, he nailed every single voice he did. Yeah. It yeah. just, you know, it's it was like a pre-Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. Starring yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. 
And it was ahead of its time in, in, in terms of its offensive comedy. Because <laughs> that, that was coming, baby. Mm. Talking out of your butt. And... It was almost worth it for those cringy moments, uh, like him being the Roadrunner, because it was the after. Like yeah. him being able to act in, in the realization. That was the most real, is that coming out of that fugue state and then going, oh, my God, it happened again, didn't it? Like, And that was done so well by Ackroyd. His reaction to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His way of being like, no, I get it. People don't like me. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, that, I 100% yeah. get it. In the car. Oh, I just annoy people all the time. I'm and annoying it's like, you. Yeah. You know. He's like apologetic for just being himself. But they didn't need all of the, I'm allergic to cats. And I, you know, all of, it, it's like right. they didn't know what to do. They wanted to make him quirky and OCD, but also DID, but also this and that. Yeah. And it's yeah. just. Pick a lane, man. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week. We have a stepdad show. We'll oh, talk yeah. more about some of this fun stuff and all the things we've been catching up on and watching and playing. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited. I, I This month has made me want to read more of uh, Richard Matheson's works. Because I've read some of his stuff, but, you know, not enough to... Yeah, I mean, it's arguable that after 1990, some of his the best adaptations of his work came out, yeah. like What Dreams May Come and uh, the Robin Williams movie, which I, it was shot really well. It was uh, pretty. It was probably the worst movie I saw that year. <laughs> it was the most. It was in the, it, next to the word treacle in the dictionary is, sure, is the sure. performance of Robin Williams. That is the epitome of the Robin Williams smiling through tears. The thing I hate more than anything that he did was his that, What Dreams May Come was that for you? Oh, God. For me, that was Patch Adams. Oh, oh, Patch Adams was worse. Trust me, <laughs> Patch Adams was god awful. So much worse. But I was so pissed off when I left What Dreams May Come because it was so promising and it looked... Uh, because the book is good. So unique, yeah. but the way that they treated it just made me want to gouge yeah. my eyes out. Uh, also, he they adapted uh, Stir of Echoes, which was the which I want to say was called something else. But the Kevin Bacon movie Stir of Echoes was fantastic, so good. And Kevin Bacon, uh, understandably, gets so pissed because he makes all these really good movies that nobody watches. I know he's I know. he's just like this far from being a superstar all the time. Yeah, that cusp, almost there, almost there, almost there. I think the problem with Stir of Echoes, and I don't remember what it was, but there was a movie very similar. That came out at the same time. Yeah, kind of the same vibe, and it might have been what lies on what lies beneath. Uh, yeah, with Harrison Ford. I don't know if yeah, that was the possibly. Same time. Yeah, it's around the same time. But yeah. he got kind of screwed that way a few times with similar movies coming right. out. Right, right. Uh, you can't find loose cannons anywhere for free, unfortunately. But if you find it, get why well, we rented it for three it, bucks. It, it's, it's, if it's worth it's it. It's randomly on TV. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. If you haven't seen it, it if you're a Gene Hackman fan, if you're a um, Dan, Dan, Dan Aykroyd fan, it's definitely worth your time. Yeah. And if you're a crime fan and if you're a Nazi hater. Yeah. 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 It's just let us know what your thoughts are about the film. Yeah, the film within do. the film. Is please that do. film, is it a porno or is it just I, a suicide thing? See, but then now I think about the fact that, like, he does, he kisses it, he kisses Tobin Bell. That was a was kiss like, of death. Yeah, but it was like, I, the whole thing, it just wasn't handled well in the movie. No. At all. No. Um, I mean, it's better. I would much rather watch someone killing Hitler <laughs> than watching Hitler have sex with somebody. Yeah. We'll be back next week. Yep. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, with DOD. You don't know. DOD. That's the thing to the Department of Defense. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Good Gord. Um, that's the thing with DID. 
We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Incredible Hulk, already in progress. <laughs>